Well, guys, it's uh, Chris Garcia, David Diga Hernandez, and Eric Gilmore, and we are encouraging you to walk with God. So, Chris, let's jump right in, man. What's the Lord been speaking to you in these recent days? Yeah, well, for me, there are two main things that I'm getting in my heart for the Lord, uh, things personally in my life. And sometimes what I notice is whenever you share something personal from your heart, it ends up being something that many people can receive because it's something that they can relate to. The There's a scripture where it says that Paul the Apostle, great man of God, he wrote three quarters of the New Testament, an apostle in his own right, functioned under tremendous signs, wonders, miracles. The, 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 the miracles that he produced were extraordinary. But in the midst of all these things, he gives us a secret. And I think it's in one of the Corinthian letters where he says, I rather boast in my infirmities. And that word infirmity doesn't mean sickness. It means weaknesses. I rather boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may be seen on me. And um, as I'm reflecting on that, I'm just kind of reflecting and doing some soul searching even in my own life. And I have seen so many times God's glorious power become magnified when I become very aware of my weakness because it causes me to depend on, on the power of the Spirit and the power of Christ. And also in the affairs of men, I see how when 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 people of God come together, um, I've seen I've seen this happen as of recent, um, where people have weaknesses, they have human flaws, they have. Uh, I'm not not I'm not necessary. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking just about human limitations, human frailties, human weaknesses. I've seen God sovereignly perform His will in the midst of frail human beings. And I think that's that's a way where God receives all the glory for what he does. And uh, that's kind of like what I've been kind of meditating on. And um, it puts me in a posture of humility. Um, I've been asking the Holy Spirit, like, <laughs> humble me. If there's any area of my life where I need to be humbled, show me. Show me anything where maybe there's pride in my own soul, in my own heart. And it's so funny when you pray those prayers because God will send people along your way to help you get there. <laughs> and so I think that God's sovereign power, his, his glory is best seen when we boast in our weakness, as Paul did, as we magnify the glory of Christ by saying, hey, I don't have it all together. I fall utterly dependent on you. And somehow, some way, God truly becomes glorified in such a way where all things truly work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Just even as he's talking about frailty and some of the flaws that come with human nature, when you were talking about the fact that there are areas in your heart where maybe there's even, I don't know if you used this exact word, but it sounded to me like you were expressing frustration over those flaws. It reminds me of the fact that I would be a thousand pieces on the floor if it wasn't for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think that sometimes people from the outside, more so especially with 
internet culture and social media culture and platforms such as these, it can become easy to just look at the polished version of the various different individuals that you hear online, not recognizing there are emotions, there are flaws, there are struggles, there are doubts. And of course, we rely upon the Holy Spirit to fill in those gaps with his grace. But at the same time, I think it is important to be aware of those things in us. Whenever I pour over the scripture, as I'm reading, I'm lamenting the fact that there are so many ways that I'm not like Jesus. And even as I'm reading, I'm just saying, Lord, there, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. There are so many ways that I'm not like Jesus. Help me, please. Help me, please be more like Jesus. And I think when we recognize those flaws, that's when the grace of God begins to have its effect because in that surrender, that acknowledgement of our frailty, that reaching out to him for help, and that truly is humility. That is where you begin to see that strength help to empower you to live holy, to live in power, to live in boldness, to live in patience, to live in love. And I think if we continue to walk in the spirit, of course we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And this is why it's so important that we remember that. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not self-hatred. Humility is not denying that you have abilities or gifts or skills or that maybe you're good at something. Humility is simply the proper perspective of oneself in reference to who God is. And once you reference the nature of who God is and you begin to look to him as the standard by which we measure all things, and that puts into proper perspective who you are. Because, of course, in looking from his perspective, you see how loved you are, how cherished you are. But then again, also by comparison, when that light begins to shine, that light begins to reveal the details of all of those things that are wrong with us. And again, this isn't about shame or self-hatred or self-condemnation. It's simply to recognize that without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. We can be nothing. We can't even desire to be something that pleases God. And so I guess we can succinctly say what I've been trying to say in those last couple minutes there, that a life surrendered to the Holy Spirit really begins to yield the results that we want to see. And it's not a matter of how charismatic you are, how gifted you are, how well-spoken you are. It's simply a matter of how surrendered you are to the Holy Spirit. And God can do anything with anyone as long as they're surrendered. Absolutely beautiful. It reminds me of the scripture. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of his power will be of God and not of ourselves. Kind of puts everything right where it's supposed to be. I remember reading David Brainerd in his journal. He said, my leanness qualifies me. In other words, the fact that I find these areas, like you were just saying, David and Chris, you started us with, when I find these areas of need, of poverty, of bankruptcy, these are my qualifications to come to. If I find diseases, it qualifies me to come to the physician. I remember reading Madame Guyon as well. She said, be not a, afraid to show him your sores, expose them to his view and they will be healed. I'm thinking also of Psalm 34 when uh, David, you were talking about what humility really looks like. I love how you nailed that down. I was thinking of Psalm 34 where it says, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. 
in the Lord. <laughs> it's him, his glory, his power. And I put down one more thing here. Uh, I was moved the other day in Psalm 34 where David says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard. <laughs> this poor man cried. It's this disposition of poverty, of need. Lord, I recognize that I, apart from you, have nothing. As you said, David, earlier, you said you'd be a, a thousand pieces on the floor without the presence of the Spirit. Praise God. So, David, what about your personal life? What's the Lord been saying to you? Very strongly, he's been speaking one word for this season, at least. Now, as a caveat, I'll say, of course, the gospel message is the primary message, salvation alone found in Christ Jesus to those who put their faith in him, repent of their sins and turn to him. And of course, I love to teach on the Holy Spirit and who he is and how he works in the church, prayer, and these themes and topics that the Lord, I believe, has given me as an assignment, as an area of focus for ministry. But as of, I want to say, maybe the last three months, and then I foresee maybe even going into the next three to six months, the Holy Spirit really has been leading me to speak one word, and that is unity. I've been seeing a lot of things that I know grieve the Holy Spirit. According to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the Holy Spirit can be grieved depending upon the way we behave. So as we live our lives, we can affect the way the Holy Spirit fills. And that really is a major revelation that I think when we really begin to grasp it, it becomes the motivator for all things that we do to please him. Because if he loves me enough to be grieved by my disobedience, then that means he loves me enough to be pleased by my obedience. So that when he sees that light being reflected in you, it's elation to him. Um, but I want to say that I, I do recognize that there is this assault from the enemy coming against the church bringing division and where there is division there is confusion now there are times when of course we have to call out heresy there are times of course when there has to be a holy separation um, the standard i think that we should use is the scripture and there are certain non-negotiables and of course every truth that the scripture speaks is non-negotiable but there are what we would call the foundations or the fundamentals of the faith, things like the identity of Jesus Christ, the divinity of Jesus Christ, the sinless perfection of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ as the atonement for our sins, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus in bodily form, uh, the ascension, the sitting at the right hand of the Father, things like the Bible is the perfect word of God, things like there is a literal and eternal heaven and hell. And so when we have these fundamentals in place, these are the primaries. And I find that often we are minoring on majors and majoring on minors. So this is to say things like, when does the rapture occur? Or can you lose your salvation? Or at what point should you be speaking in tongues as a believer? Or are the spiritual gifts for today? Now, to be clear, where I stand on those issues, um, I, I believe that the gift of speaking in tongues is for today. I believe in the spiritual gifts, the manifestations of his power in fullness, just as his power has always been demonstrated. The power has not in any way waned. Um, so, of course, there are differences of views on these various things, not because the Bible isn't perfect or that the text doesn't have plain meaning or that the authors didn't have an exact intention when writing those words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but rather 
though the word of God is perfect, our interpretations of the word of God aren't necessarily always perfect. And therefore we have a variety of beliefs among brethren. And so in these peripheral issues, and I don't want to say that in any way to take away from the fact that those truths aren't, I mean, they are powerful, I should say. Those truths still matter, uh, but there are there is room for some disagreement on some of these peripheral issues. What I'm finding in the body of Christ is that there is a lot of division taking place over things there should be no division over. And a lot of that is ego. I believe we should stop trying to win arguments and get back to winning souls. I believe that we should give one another the benefit of the doubt. First Corinthians chapter 13 makes that clear. Love believes all things. This isn't to say that you must be naive or let people walk all over you, but it does mean that you ought to give the benefit of the doubt to those who you're working with or alongside, or maybe you're not even in any way uh, in proximity to them, but you know they're just kind of floating around there on the space of the internet or social media, or maybe even a a local church setting. Maybe there's a brother or a sister in your local church who there's some disagreement and uh, these things get into the heart. And so what happens is we begin to perceive everything through the tension of those disagreements. We begin to perceive everything through the tension of that rejection. We begin to perceive everything, even ourselves, our ministry, the season we're in, we begin to perceive and it becomes tense and there's fighting and there's pressure and there's agonizing in the soul. And I believe that we as the church must come to the place of spiritual maturity where we can look at one another and say, okay, we may disagree on some things, but because we agree on Jesus, we're on the same team. And again, I want to emphasize this so that there's no room for misunderstanding. I'm not saying you don't call out heresy. I'm not saying that we should have unholy mixture. What I am saying is that the Bible is clear that even among some of the early church, there, there were disagreements on different things. And even if you study church history, there were disagreements on certain things, uh, and, but they were all still under the same family name. They were all still on the same team. And so I think we have to really assess what God is saying through his word to us in these areas. Wherein lies the ego? How am I approaching this maybe from an improper perspective? What are some of the things that maybe I'm a little defensive about, or maybe I'm a little suspicious about, or maybe I'm not seeing clearly in? And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to assess us in these areas, and we must humbly respond to that, rise above the noise, and choose unity despite maybe some disagreement. Choose unity even when we're attacked. Choose unity even when they don't use the methods we want them to use or they don't word things the way we want them to word them or even the correct terminology. But to come together and say, the Holy Spirit in me recognizes the Holy Spirit in you. Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That unity, that oneness in the spirit that belongs to the church really is what brings forth the power. You look at Acts, and I'll finish the thought with this. You look in the book of Acts, when the day of Pentecost had come and the Holy Spirit fell, or there was a different level of influence that came upon the church in, in terms of the Holy Spirit's power. When the Holy Spirit came upon the church, they were all together in one accord. My prayer is that in humility, we would search and find our way back to that place of unity and power. And in our unity, I think we do find the greatest expansion of the kingdom of God. 
That's outstanding, brother. Chris, does that trigger anything in your heart? It Is triggers it- every, every single thing he's ever said, like right now. And that what you're saying, David, is hitting home for me, you know, just, just being honest with you. Um, and it's so funny that you bring all these points up because yesterday I've, I've had, I've had to make decisions of, do I recognize the Holy Spirit in another that may disagree with me? And the aspect of unity is absolutely essential. And I love what you said about primary issues and 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 secondary. We we end up majoring on the minors and and all of those things. And it's 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 apparent the heart of Christ that we see in John seventeen, where his prayer is that we would be all one. And I think unity is so essential to the heart of the Lord because within the Trinity is a unity. There are uh, three distinct different persons, but one God. And I think the the ability to be in unity in the body of Christ is even a, uh, a reflection of, of God's nature uh, being conveyed. I think about the story of Peter, James, and John, how they were all invited in the transfiguration in the Gospels. And there we see three distinct different flavors, three distinct different personalities, Peter was the guy that was always talking. He had his foot in his mouth half the time. You know, John was the lover of Christ. He was he was always listening in the bosom of, of the Lord. And, and you had James who was, you know, calling fire down from heaven. And But what's amazing is three distinct different flavors, but within one family. And I think that unity is so expressively beautiful when we see a harmony within that unity. I think what happens is, we we assume uh, that unity is just uniformity, but in reality, unity is more seen as a harmony. Uh, I think of unity as a song. So I think of like you have the bass, you have the percussions, you have this, you have you know the horns, you have different voices and harmonies. They're distinct, but they're part of that one song. And I think what happens is. We start majoring, Dave, as you're saying, David, we start majoring on the minors and we break the song of the spirit. We break the song that God is calling us to win the lost, to win souls, to be a reflection of Christ on the earth. I also think it's interesting within Christ himself. And we see in Ephesians chapter, what is it? I believe it's chapter four, where he says that he has given gifts according to Christ's gift apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers, five distinct graces. A pastor doesn't look like an apostle. A prophet doesn't look like a teacher. An evangelist doesn't look like a shepherd, yet it is all part of the one Christ. It's all part of the one gifting. And if there is differences of administrations, differences of giftings, differences of anointings, differences of personalities, then Therefore, then we must embrace our differences. And even if we don't see eye to eye, as you're saying, I think the call is to look beyond our frailties and our weaknesses and embrace Christ in one another. I think, honestly, what you just said, David, about seeing the Holy Spirit in another, that right there will destroy every every sense of division. Um 
you know, within the body. As a pastor myself, um, I I see different people, different flavors, different distinctions, different age groups, different generations, but they're all under one 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 roof. That is a little ecosystem of what the body of Christ is like. You know, uh, your giftings, my giftings, what we what what we're what we see as important. They're all differing and they're all different, but it's all good. It's all supposed to happen this way. It's funny because a few weeks ago, I was teaching a class um, in, in my Wednesday evening classes. And one of the things that I was talking about was primary, secondary, and tertiary issues. And primary uh, issues is what you what you have eloquently explained, you know, the death, burial, the resurrection, the ascension, the essentials of our faith. Then the the secondary issues would be, you know, the gifts of the spirit, the, you know, the 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 offices of Christ, you know. And then the third uh tertiary issues would be matters of conscience and matters of, you know, uh what you eat and what you drink and your and your days. And it's so true because what ends up happening is if we're not careful, we start taking our eyes off of Jesus. We start placing our eyes off of ourselves on ourselves, and then we no longer see Jesus and the other, and we start harping on tertiary and secondary issues, and we treat it as primary issues. And so I think that in the last days, I think um, how God is wanting to move uh, in the body of Christ as a whole is I believe that before the coming of the Lord, this is my personal view. I think that Jesus's prayer will be answered somehow that we would all be one as he is one with his father. That's beautiful. Both of you guys have given such eloquent and panoramic understanding of what God is looking for in the kingdom. Um, there's a famous statement that says uh, true unity necessitates diversity. I think we could also say the beauty of unity is necessitates you, uh, um, diversity because the diversity as Chris you were saying it's the colors <laughs> it's the the harmonies of of different personalities I remember uh, talking to David Ravenhill one time and he said always shout where God shouts and whisper where he whispers and there's also a quote from uh, Aliester Briggs I think his name is he said remember that the the main things are the plain things. It's very simple, but it's so profound. The main things are the plain things. And when I read through uh, T. Austin Sparks's biography, he had a, a remarkable quote. He said, uh, the testimony of Christ is bound up in our unity. The testimony of Christ is bound up in our unity, which reveals the motive for the reason why uh, the devil attacks unity is because unity is where Jesus is seen. In purity. Um, I also wrote down here that uh, James chapter three, touching on the ego. I love that David brought up ego. Listen to this. This is written in James. He says, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show his good by his good behavior and his good deeds and gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Well, this wisdom is not the wisdom which comes down from above. It's earthly, natural, and demonic. For wherever jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in every evil thing. 
But the wisdom that comes from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I read a commentary the other day that noted the first thing about the wisdom that comes from above is it says it's pure, then peaceable. It doesn't say peaceable, then pure. It says, <laughs> in other words, you can't, as David was saying, give way for heresies, impurities. So it's purity first and then peaceable. Um, I thought that was remarkable. But also uh, I put down here that uh, uh, Andrew Murray said that we should approach our brothers unarmed unarmed. I, I think that's a great way to look at it. A lot of us, we approach each other and we make sure that we're protecting ourselves. But I think it's best just to come unarmed, you know, lay the shield down, lay the breastplate down and just come face to face and trust uh, with, with one another. Um, I remember reading A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God, and, and he had a analogy of a hundred different pianos, all tuned to the same tuning fork. And they're all in unity. And if we can make Christ, as both of you guys have brought up, if we could make Jesus, his heart, his presence, his word, his will, if we can make that number one, I think everything else will fall to the wayside. Even as Paul tells us later, he says that the put on love, it is the perfect bond of unity to love one another. And we know by John's gospel and, and his letter that without loving Christ, there is no ability to love one another. It is the same love with which God has loved us that we love him and our brother poured out in us uh, by the spirit. I also put down here, um, as I was listening to you guys, that the scriptures call us members of one another. What language? Members of one another. And um, uh, lastly, I was talking to David Ravenhill one time as well. He's really impacted my life. He said, Nothing is more likely to lead to error or heresy than to focus on part rather than the whole. And I, and I find that to be one of the major issues that we're running into, as David, you've described, and Chris, you, you made remarks on as well, that Jesus, his fullness, who he is, has got to be the plain thing, the main thing, the plain thing, this man. Christ Jesus is inexhaustible and enough to keep us busy for the rest of our lives because he's inexhaustible, praise God. And we can enjoy him and we can preach him and find in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, everything that God has. He stored it up inside of this human being, <laughs> Jesus, who's worthy of love and worthy of, of a, a heart that would put other people above itself. This, this phrase that Paul uses in honor, preferring one another, it's like when you, when you do sit with somebody, put them above yourself. Um, I, th this is just something that is not seen very often, but what remarkable things we've talked about, astounding truths we've touched on. Let's do this. Why don't, um, Chris, why don't you just pray us out? Uh, we've touched on in the beginning what, what you spoke about, and then we talked about what David was speaking about David touched on unity. Chris, you talked about weakness, weakness and unity. Maybe you can pray us out of this, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so very much just for displaying these treasures that come from you, Lord. Help us to 
boast in our weakness, to see our limitations and our frailties, not from a self-loathing, condemning way, but as a way to utterly depend on your presence and power. We rely on you, Lord, and we thank you that even in our frailty, even in our weakness, your power is clearly demonstrated and seen on those who depend on you. So I thank you for that grace to be imparted to everyone that is watching. Lord, I also pray, Father, that we would all be one even as you are one, Lord. We're we're members of one another. Father, help us, Lord God, to see the essentials, to make the the plain thing the main thing, and to see Christ in one another. Help us, Holy Spirit, to see you in one another. And we thank you, Father, for that. Thank you that we would become the fullness of your body on the earth, that although we're many members, we're one and different flavors and different expressions, yet once Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would bring us to this, these truths, help us to walk in this spiritual wisdom and understanding and be well-pleasing to you for you and as a testimony for the world. And so, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey man, David, how can they find you online? Um, they could just look me up on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel where we release teachings on the Holy Spirit, prayer, spiritual warfare, and we also show footage of the Holy Spirit's power in action. That's awesome. Chris, what about you? They can, um, you can look up my name, Chris Garcia, over on YouTube, or you can visit our website, www.fathersglory.org. And we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, live stream prayer sessions from 7 a.m. Central Standard Time to about 9. And we spend time in the presence and power of God. And I give a short reflection on prayer. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for watching. Chris Garcia, David Diga Hernandez, and Eric Gilmore, we encourage you to walk with God.